The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. About every four years or so, I replant flowers in my front yard. And um, there's a predictable cycle that uh, I go through when it comes to um, planting flowers. I, I pick, first of all, I pick a flower that I think gonna, it's going to go well. I pick a flower, then I go buy, I measure it all out, I go buy that flower and enough flowers to kind of fill this little flower bed. And then I talk my children into thinking it's a good idea to help me plant those flowers, which the age that they're at now, like I'm still getting away with it, but I think next time it comes around, they're gonna be, dad, that's lame, I'm not doing that, I'm waiting for that, it's, it's coming, okay? But so far I've successfully talked them into planting the flowers with me. And then I plant them, I put fresh mulch down, and I water the flowers faithfully daily for about a month, and then I do nothing. That's the last thing I do for those flowers. And so the cycle is at about the six-month mark, um, they're not looking so good. And usually there's not flowers on the plants anymore. Um, By the year mark, it's overcome with weeds, Um, By year two, they're barely alive. Years three and four, I'm getting the side eye from the HOA, okay, and some neighbors, all right? And then eventually, I feel so overcome with guilt and shame that I start the process over, okay? So I I contacted a friend of mine who owns a landscaping uh, company, and I said, okay, I need you to help me pick the right flower because that is clearly what my problem is. Like, it's not me, okay, I just have the wrong flowers. And I said, so uh, this is the kind of flowers, like, well, what are you looking for? I said, I need a flower that's low maintenance. And he says, well, when you say low maintenance, what do you mean? I said, I said low maintenance, I really mean no maintenance. (laughs) And he said, okay, uh, what is no maintenance? I said, look, I'll plant it and I'll water it in the beginning, but I need flowers that, like, they don't need a lot of water, okay? They, they don't need, like, pruning. I'm not going out there and pruning anything, okay? Like, this is not, like, a contest for prize roses, okay? I just want basic, colorful flowers. And, uh, and I need, is there a flower that, like, repels weeds? Because I don't want to be picking weeds, all right? But I want them to be beautiful and colorful and tropical all the time, even though I do nothing, okay? And he says, I have the perfect flower for you. I'm like, really? He's like, yes. He's like, you don't have to do anything to it? I'm like, okay. He's like, they're bright and they're lush and they're beautiful all the time. They stay that way from the day you planted it. I'm like, awesome, what is it? He says, fake flowers. (laughs) Is that like a new variety of petunia or like, what are we talking? He's like, no, no, just fake plastic ones. That's your best bet. And I said, all right, all right, so give me the next least maintenance, okay? So I went over to the, uh, the nursery, and um, this guy talked me into a, a type of flower. I took my kids because it was going to be exciting, and they were like, okay. And so we go, and we picked out a flower, um, and the flower I landed on this time was lantanas, okay? Let me show you a picture of lantanas, okay? This is what lantanas look like that. That's incredible, right? That's beautiful, okay? Apparently, lantanas, they attract butterflies. They attract uh, hummingbirds, okay? So I'm looking, I'm like, kind of this distant look in my eye, looking over these lantanas. I'm thinking of myself on a lawn chair with some lemonade, with hummingbirds, like, circling around me, 
okay? I'm like, I've found it. The problem all this time is I've had the wrong flower, okay? So I talk my kids into planting the flowers. I water them faithfully for a month. And over the last six months, I have done nothing. And now, because I found lantanas, let me show you what my lantanas look like. Here's what my lantanas look like. <laughs> They're alive. There's no weeds in there. They're alive, okay? Like I'm one step there. But I'm a little mad. There's no pretty flowers on my lantanas right now. And I feel bad because Rebecca deserves better flowers than I can provide for her in the front yard, okay? So I'm like, I'm saying I need, I need something for these lantanas. So I call my friend. I'm like, okay, man, this is what my lantanas look like. What happened? And he said, a lot happened. He says, there's all kinds of problems. It might not be getting enough sun. The soil might not be drained enough. He's like, I'm like, okay, but I can't do all that. He's like, okay, the number one first thing that you need to do is you need to go to Home Depot and you need to get this thing called insecticidal soap. I said, you just made that up. That is not a real thing. He says, no, no, it is. Probably what's happened, let's at least eliminate that white flies have attacked your plants. There are bugs and insects that can descend on your flowers and your plants, and they can begin eating them. And he says, if you do the one thing, do this insecticidal soap. And so I, I have not done it yet. It's against my policy of no maintenance, so I'm still thinking about doing this. But he's recommending this one thing. He says, look, there could be a lot of things that need to get healthy, but let's just start with this one thing. He says, the good news is it works very, very quickly. So you can treat your flowers with this, and if that's what the problem is, we can at least eliminate that, and it might be the whole problem. Like, that might actually make them uh, come back to life. That might be the only thing that's missing. If not, it will definitely help, because if you do all the other things, but there's still little bugs eating away at your plants, it doesn't matter all the other things that you try to do. You've got to deal with that first, and the good news is there's one very effective ingredient. I tell you all of, of that because there's a parallel in our own lives. What we all want out of our lives is we want a beautiful, thriving life. We want fruit in our lives. That's what we want. We want healthy, thriving, beautiful, fruitful lives. Like, that's, that's what we desire. But we all know, I mean, this is not news. Like, there's a lot of ingredients that are needed in that. And some of those ingredients are not like a quick fix type of thing. They're regular rhythms in our lives. Some of them are, are maybe larger scale issues that we, that we need to process through and work through and we need healing from in our lives. And there's a number of different ways we can go about pursuing healing. But there's one ingredient that we can just treat our lives with. And if we can, can, if we can treat our lives with this, then it can very quickly have an impact on something that's eating away at the health of our life. And for some of us, that's really the main thing. Like there's health, there's healthy rhythms, there's healthy things in our life, and that's just the main problem. For others of us, we can treat other things in our lives that are also needed to have that healthy life, but if we don't deal with this, it won't make a difference because it's just eating away at our lives. It's one ingredient, and here's what we're gonna be doing over the next few weeks. We're gonna just take a few weeks as a church family together and saying, we're going to grow in this one area so that we can find health. Paul, in the book of Colossians, talks about this, but 
Uh, Paul's the one who wrote it to the church in Colossae. But more importantly, this is God's word. This is God's word to us. I want you to open to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in, in verse 12. And in a lot of ways, we're, for those of you ladies who were at the women's conference yesterday, in a lot of ways, we're building on that foundation of pursuing health for us in our lives. And so very grateful for that work that our, our ladies poured into, uh, into each other yesterday. Um, we're going to pick up on that, um, that same theme. We're going to pick it up in Colossians 3. We're going to start in verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, a lot of stuff in here. Let's pause there for a second. Here's where it starts. And this is consistently uh, Paul's thinking. This is how he operates. It's so healthy to operate like this. I'm so glad that God is, is speaking this truth over us. He says, um, put on the, the verb, the challenge is to clothe yourself but before he goes into a list of things he wants us to clothe ourselves with, he says, put on as those chosen by God, holy and beloved. So whatever else he's challenging us to do, it flows out of our identity. He speaks to who we are first, who we're declared to be, and out of that he shares with us uh, the things that he's wanting us to clothe ourselves with. This is so important. We find our identity in so many different places. What our friends say about us, what our resume says about us, what our coworkers say about us, what our friends say about us, what family members say about us, our spouse says about us, our, our parents have said about us, what various things have said about us. But the scripture keeps bringing us back to, here's what God has said about you. And when God speaks things, they burst into existence. It's not an idea. He creates through his word. When he says it, it is. So how much more powerful when the almighty creator of the universe who can see everything and is controlling everything, when he speaks a word over you, that is what is. That is the truth. And the Bible consistently speaks about what your identity, if you're a follower of Jesus. Now, I don't want to assume like there may be someone here or watching online or at Cooper City, and you're, maybe you're sitting there in uh, Cooper City High School Auditorium, and you're saying, look, I, I'm just here kind of exploring. A friend invited me, or maybe you're here. Maybe you're watching online because a friend just said, hey, check this out. And, and you say, I'm not really sure that I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not sure I'm a Christian. I'm not even sure I'm religious, but I, I, I'm exploring. And if that's where you're at, I'm so glad that you're journeying with us. I'm glad that you're here. Because really what we're talking about is a new identity. He make, God makes us into something new. And here's how we're described. If, if you become a follower of Jesus, if you accept salvation as a gift, he says you are chosen. It's, God is like, I've had you in mind by name from the beginning, you're mine. He says, you're beloved. You are, he looks at you and says, you, I love you. You're my child. I'm pursuing you to save you. I love you. 
You're not earning my love. That's who you are. He says, you're holy. You say, maybe you say, look, I, I don't know if I, I would say that I'm holy. You say, like, I, I, I look at myself and you're like, I, I've got a lot that I'm, I'm trying to be holy. I mess up. He says, no, but look how you're declared. You are declared holy by God. Your righteousness is the righteousness of Christ. He takes your sin and gives you his righteousness. You are declared holy and set apart by God. Now we're just living out that incredible identity that's spoken over us as chosen, beloved, holy children of God. You follow me? Then he says, out of that identity, now listen to this list. It's an incredible list. The first thing he says is have compassionate hearts. The Greek, there, Greek word there for hearts is one of the most fun Greek words. The word is spelankna. That's a great one. Don't you think we should all say that together? I think we should, okay? Let's say it. One, two, three, spelankna. Spelankna means like innards, like your gut, it's like your, so it's, it's, it's translated as your heart. It is from the inside. He says, put on this, clothe yourselves with compassion all the way down from your insides out, that you are a person that radiates compassion. You're not faking compassion. You're not trying to find compassion. You're just naturally, because he's making you like Jesus, you have this compassion just boiling up and out of you. And I think we want that, right? I want to be that kind of person. I want to be that kind of person that, you know, when I think about my coworkers and that they're going through something difficult, like, man, my heart's broken and I remember to pray for them and follow up with them. I want to be that person that when there's someone, a friend of mine is going through a difficult time that, like, it's not a burden, like I'm ready to just tend to them and care for them. I want to be that type of person when I, when I hear the, the call to serve, like maybe in kids' ministry or student ministry, I'm like, wow, what an opportunity to pour into that next generation. Like, I can't help myself. I want to from the inside out. I want to be that type of person that when I see a lost person, I'm not overwhelmed by all the loss out there. I just, I just do my part from the inside out to just share my story and bear witness to what Jesus has done. I want to be that type of person that when I hear that there's foster children here in our city and they're in a shelter, that I'm like, I can't live with that reality. I've got to find something to do because I've got, I've got compassion in my spelunkna. It's all the way down into my guts, into my soul. I want to be that type of person. He says, put that on because that is who you've already been declared to be. So live that out. Compassion. All right. We got that one. I want that. You're right. Then he says, on top of that, kindness. Put on kindness too. And that's the word that is basically like, not just like a waving kindness. It's like a generosity. It's also the word for generosity. So it's like the type of kindness that, like I personally sacrifice for someone else. And I want to be a generous person. That's something we've been talking about this spring as a church, like the call to generosity. Like, yes, I, I was stirred up by that. I want to be a generous person. Yep, I want to have that compassion. I want to have that, that kindness and that generosity. He says, and patience. I mean, you got to put on patience too. And you're like, boy, do I know that. I do not have that one. Like, I need patience. I need patience with my kids and patience with my coworkers and patience with my family members. And, and I just had an Easter celebration. Let me tell you about the patience I need to have with my family members. And I have a patience with that one friend that's still going through a hard time, and I'm trying to be patient with them. Like, I need to have patience. And then he says, and on top of that, humility. 
you're like, I got that one nailed. I'm the most humble person I know, actually. Look at all these other prideful people. Wish they're as humble as I am. No, you're like, okay, yes, I know. I, I, I probably am not as humble as I think I am, which makes me humble, actually. So now I'm confused. Maybe I am humble. But I know I said that one prideful thing the other day. And so, like, I know that there's pride in me, and I got to weed that out. And so, yes, okay, I got that. I want compassion down to my spelunkna. I want that kind of rating. I want that, and I want generosity and kindness, and I want patience, and I want humility. And then he keeps going. And then he's like, and on top of all of that, love, which is the most important thing. You're like, well, we can't forget that one. Got to have love. And I know the biblical love is, how do I know what love is? Jesus died for us, so we lay down our lives for others. And love is not a feeling, it's a choice. It's something where I do, it's action. And I definitely got to put on love above everything else. And he takes that and he starts turning it to our relationships. And he says, and you say, yes, I want that love. I want to put on love. But man, that's hard because people make me mad. And Paul knows right where we're going. He's like, and forgiving each other. And you're like, okay, that's right, I need to forgive, but, but you don't understand, they don't deserve forgiveness. And Paul's like, I know, you forgive because you've been forgiven. You're like, that's right, okay, I show love and I forgive because I've been forgiven. And we get to the end of this list, we're like, man, what an incredible list, and I'm exhausted. I was like, I look at that whole list, and I'm like, I want to put on all of that. I'm trying to put on all of that. I also was just trying to get out of bed this morning, okay, like... That's a lot of things, like rapid fire, Paul. Give us a break. Could you just give us a minute on one of them? Because that's a ton of things. Say, look, I, I want to do that. All of those things are great. I'm not against any of those things. How do I do that? You're going to have to give me something to kind of stir up. I, you're going to have to give me something that gives me the inner capacity to pursue all those things. Because sometimes, as much as I love all that, I feel like I'm just trying to make it. So how are you speaking into my life, Lord? What are you giving me that gives me this inner capacity to pursue that kind of fruitful life that I want? So he says something else. Look what he says in verse 15. He's talking about the relationships, which is so much a part of our, of our health, right? It's our, so much of our health and our fruitfulness comes down to our relationships. So he's talked about that. He says, hey, you know, forgiving each other. And then he says this, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. He says, let the peace of Christ rule. It's such an interesting verb, like, give it command, dominion and authority. Let it be king, the peace of Christ. What's the peace of Christ? Christ, one peace, made peace, according to Colossians earlier, he made peace by the blood of his cross and reconciled us to God. You know, it's interesting, in our, our culture, most people presume that there's peace with God. Oh, I'm a good person, I don't do anything wrong, like I, 
you know, I think God's for me. I mean, I wish he'd bless me a little bit more. So if I do maybe a little bit more good deeds, maybe he'll bless me more. If I'm a little more religious, maybe he'll bless me more. But fundamentally, like, we're good. I think he forgives me. He knows I'm not perfect. And they presume that there's peace. And then at the same time, our, our often in our study, we're like, yeah, like, and by the way, I don't understand like the Old Testament and how God is in the Old Testament. Like he's like smiting people and stuff. It's like, it seems like a, he's angry and he's got wrath and he's like, it's like, why is he mad all the time? But then in the New Testament, he's, he's like nice and he's full of grace. There's a big reason Christ made peace. And the Old Testament, God is showing us in his grace what sin justly deserves. That is what justice looks like. And that is where all of us are without Jesus. And when we realize that, we actually look back, we're like, man, once I understand what sin deserves, I'm like, you were so long suffering. It's only when I'm presupposing, of course, God has peace with everyone. I mean, why is he mad at anyone? Then I read and I'm shocked by the Old Testament, but I'm reading the Old Testament accurately and he says, this is what sin is and this is what sin deserves. I'm like, wow, you were patient. When, they, when your own people went and got fake idols and put them in your holy temple and worshiped them instead of you, and you were patient, sending them prophets, calling them back to repentance, warning them exactly what would happen, and then they didn't like it, so they killed the prophets. You are so patient. And the whole Old Testament's building and building and building, sending, saying because God is faithful, he will send one final prophet. Because God is faithful, he'll send one ultimate high priest. Because God is faithful, he'll send one ultimate sacrifice. Because God is faithful, he'll send one ultimate redeemer, one ultimate deliverer, one ultimate king, one ultimate priest. He'll send, he'll send one ultimate person, Jesus Christ, and he will make peace, and he will offer that peace to the world. And anyone who, who receives that peace will have peace with God. But make no mistake, if you do not accept the ultimate gift of the Son of God slain, bleeding on the cross and risen again, if you don't accept that gift of peace, you have no peace with God. And what's waiting for you is the just punishment that all of us deserve. Say, I don't, that's bad news. That is bad news. That's why it's so important that God answered that bad news with the good news, the gospel. Jesus is offered as a sacrifice. You can accept him. And if you're not sure you've accept, accepted him, you can accept him today as your savior and make peace with God. He makes peace with us. And he says, let the peace that you've made with God rule over your life. Now, he says that right in the middle of the section about our relationships 
and then says, I know that we're, you know, relationships are difficult, so love, choose to love, choose to forgive because you've been forgiven, because Christ has made peace, and let the peace that he's made between you and God, now he's your father. Let that same peace radiate out in your relationships because he says you've been called to one body. You are part of one body, the body of Christ. You're called to be a part of a church. Church is not something you attend. It's something you're a part of. You're involved in. You have relationships there. Don't just attend a church. Be part of a body. He says you're called to a body. And then all of that is building to this one little thing he seemingly randomly throws in at the end. Did you notice this? And be thankful. Was that like one of the other things that you forgot to mention before? Like he's writing like, oh, scribe, stop for a second. I forgot about thankfulness. Can you shimmy it in there on the papyrus? No, you can't. Throw it in there at the end. No, 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 it's different. He says, put on all these things. And then he says this verb at the end and more literally, woodenly translated, it would be becoming thankful. Let this work be stirring up, making you a person of thanksgiving. Now, why does he sprinkle in the middle of our relationship conversation, sprinkle this part in there about thankfulness? It's a key ingredient. Watch where he goes. Now, I want to circle back to this section, but I just want you to see where he goes in the next two verses, and we'll circle back. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, what does it say there? With thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving, what's the word? Thanks to God the Father through him. He's working through these different parts of our life. He talks about relationships with people. Then he talks about relationship with God. Then he talks about our, our manner of life. And in each time he says, oh, and by the way, let's sprinkle some of this on there. Thankfulness. Now, what is he, what is he doing? He's calling us to a life of fruitfulness he knows that we need the inner health in order to see that fruitfulness, putting on those things in our life. And so he's sprinkling into our life this ingredient that seems kind of random. It just seems like he's just tossing it in there. But throughout this whole section, and by the way, pretty much throughout all of Colossians, the book, he's sprinkling and calling us to sprinkle this ingredient of thankfulness. It's like, hey, your life is called to be a fruitful, flowering life. Like, I plant flowers. I want the flowers. I don't just want leaves. I want flowers. I plant uh, an orchard. I'm planting it because I want the fruit. I'm not just looking for shade. I could plant a shade tree. I'm wanting fruit in my life. The Bible says he's calling us to bear fruit. If we're going to bear fruit, we have to have healthy, thriving lives or we constantly feel like, man, I'm just, I got too much going on. I, I, I just keep like, I just need to do less. I just need to cut things out of my life. Instead of doing less, why not cultivate health in my life so I can thrive and I can live out the life I want to live and he wants me to live. And so in this section where he's calling us to help in our relationships and help in other areas, he's sprinkling this ingredient of thankfulness. And it's like that insecticidal soap in our life. 
It's like that ingredient sprayed over our life that has almost immediate action. And it eradicates something that is eating away at our life and making us not healthy. And it may not, I mean, thankfulness, there may be a lot of other things that we need in our life, like good, healthy rhythms, weeding the flower bed, watering, providing sun, the right amount of sunlight, fertilizer. There's many, maybe many other things in our lives that we need, but if we don't wash over our lives with this ingredient of thankfulness, it may not matter. It may just get eaten away. Or maybe you have a lot of those rhythms in your life, and it just might be, this might be the main problem. Why? Well, he's applying it to relationships. And you know, why, why would we need to sprinkle thankfulness into our relationships? Because a lot of times, the relationship killer, the thing just attacking our lives and, and, and our relationships and eating away at our relationships is a lack of thankfulness for those people in our lives, which can turn into a critical spirit. Colossians talks about where to set your mind. That's a theme in Colossians. So when it comes to my relationships, I can set my mind on the things that bother me, the flaws, the disappointments, the pet peeves, and I can just pick at those things in my relationships. I can set my whole mind on all the things that I'm annoyed at, that bother me, that have let me down, that have failed me, that have hurt me. I can set my mind on all of those negative things, or I can choose to set my mind on the things I'm thankful for about those people in my life. We well, say, yeah, I mean, I hear you, but you don't know some of the people in my life. I mean, there's like, I have a long list of things that are really frustrating. And I'm sure there's a couple things that I'm thankful for, but there's a whole lot of things that are frustrating. But maybe that's because I've only assembled this list. Maybe it's because this is all I'm focusing on. Maybe it's because this is all I'm thinking about and I'm never stopping to say, Wow, thank you for this relationship. And it can be in all different types of relationships. It can be in my marriage, with my children, with my friends. It can be with my coworkers. It's all types of relationships, and we can choose. Do we set our minds picking at the things that we don't like, which will just constantly make these relationships feel like a drag, or stop and sprinkle in this growing thankfulness for the people that are placed in my life? You say, well, who's to say I should think about these things and not these things? It just seems like arbitrary. Are you just, is it like motivational speaking? Just think positive? No, no, it's not motivational speaking. It's God's word. Here's what is making it so that we are becoming thankful. It's the peace of Christ. See, start here. The gospel what that does in our life is it releases grace in our life and not self-righteousness. Because I know that, follow this, please. It's, I know that I did nothing to deserve to be saved. And, and if you just took my life today, I would deserve an eternity in hell. But he has grace over my life. And that brings a gratitude into my life that, God, I don't deserve your love. You forgive me. 
You have your grace new every morning, and that makes me a person of grace. That starts to eradicate self-righteousness. I less and less say, I can't believe that person would do that. I can't believe they live like that. I can't believe the person would treat me like that. I can no longer say that because I'm very aware that I do that to other people and maybe to them, and if not to anybody else, I've done far worse to God because if I've sinned against Almighty God, how could any sin human to human compare to a sin from human against God? I've been forgiven so much. It's all the scriptures that Jesus talks about where they they come to cast a stone at the woman caught in adultery, and Jesus is like, hey, let's start here. Whoever's not sinned, you throw the first stone, and they walk away. It's Jesus saying, hey, don't judge one another. That's just you having a plank in your eye and trying to get a speck out of someone. You've got a two by four in your eye and you're trying to pull a speck out of someone else's eye. See, knowing the gospel, it eradicates self-righteousness. It kills self-righteousness. And it's that self-righteousness that's feeding a critical attitude. Because I'm like, I would never do that. I wish, why can't they live up to to my standard? Why can't they live like me? Why can't they treat me like me? Why can't they see what I'm doing? Why can't they appreciate me? Why can't they have these things? And that critical attitude, it just keeps me picking and picking and picking. And uh, and when there's a, a, I need humans around, I need healthy relationships around me, it might just be my critical spirit that's hurting those relationships and leaving me unhealthy and leaving me thinking that those relationships are just not what I'm needing. But if I start with the peace of Christ, okay, I I need to have a lot of grace because I need a lot of grace. And then I realize that he's called me to be part of a body. That means if you're here at City Rev, if this is your church home, this is the body he's called you to. And he's assembled people around you. He has called the people around you. So then when I say, okay, I've made peace with God, that affects my peace with other people. But then I realize he's called me into people, not just a church, but around. These people are in my life by God. These are a blessing to me somehow. Why have you chosen these people in my life? Now I'm looking for... That's why, Lord, you've placed these people in my life. Show me those reasons to be thankful. As we set our minds on the gift that the people are in our life, and that there might be that critical spirit that needs to be put to death, you can't be both critical and thankful. You treat your relationships with thankfulness, that might be one of the fastest turnarounds you've ever seen. We're gonna begin an initiative starting today for the next three weeks, 21 days. We're calling it the 200 Reasons Initiative. And here's what I wanna challenge us to do together, church. Every day, 10 things, first thing in the morning, 10 things that you're thankful for. You can't repeat anything because you have well more than 200 things to be thankful for. And each week you're going to be given a different theme. This week's theme is our relationships. We're going to just follow through Colossians. And this week you're going to give the theme, your relationships. So tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and I want you to write it down. I don't want you just to think it in your mind on your commute. I want you to write it down. Physical journal, 
digital journal, uh, a note on your phone, 10 things. I want you to start building it. So Monday, at least one through 10, and focus this week on your relationships. As you're thinking through, then, then Tuesday, you'll wake up. It's 11 through 20, the next 10 or more. And then just keep compiling. And by the end of 21 days, we should have over 200 reasons to be thankful. Now, you can do this whole thing, check the box, and nothing's changed inside. This is, a, this is an exercise to transform, let the Holy Spirit transform our hearts so that, we can, so that we can follow the command to be becoming thankful, that he's making us into thankful people full of gratitude. So this week, you'll start. If you're married, start with your spouse. It just might be that you have a healthy marriage except a critical spirit. It might be the one thing that needs to shift in the most important relationship that God chose for you is to be thankful. Let that wash over your relationship. Maybe there's other things. Like maybe there are reasons to go see a counselor or a Christian counselor, which is such a godly thing to do. There's many resources we can connect you with. Maybe there's other things in your marriage. Absolutely, but you can do all that work. And if you maintain a self-righteous, critical spirit, rather than seeing the grace that's needed and the gift of God that your spouse is in your life, all that work may be eaten alive by the critical spirit. How about your children, if you have children? Man, there's things that we love about our children, but there's things that we're, we're frustrated with, we can get disappointed with. There's things that we can wish were different in their lives. But I wonder if, if, as, if we have that critical spirit, the way that, that can, we can put a yoke on our kids that we don't want to put on them. Wash over your children with thankfulness. And by the way, as you're compiling this list this week, extra credit if maybe you share it out loud. How about your friends, your extended family? Like you don't know my extended family. You know, I don't have to know your extended family to know that every family has wounds and dysfunction in it because every family has humans. And yes, there are some families that are more difficult than others, but every Christian, it comes down to the same thing. We can at least say, I'm going to eradicate self-righteousness in a critical spirit, and I'm going to be thankful because, God, you put me in this family. I want to be thankful. How about, in, how about your church? Can I just speak to you pastorally for a second? I watch often. People will come to a church, they'll get excited about it, but the problem is they've got a critical spirit and they're in an otherwise wonderful, healthy church. There's many wonderful, healthy churches in South Florida. There's many churches you could go to, find good community and grow in your faith and grow with your family. But here's what will erode your relationship with any of those churches, a critical spirit. And you'll go for about three, four years, 
and that critical spirit will have eaten away your relationship with your church, and then you'll start the whole cycle over thinking that it was the plants that were the problem. Be thankful. How about your job? Yeah, I'm sure it's not perfect. I'm sure there's some difficult people. Wash over it with thankfulness because there's people that wish they had one. Be thankful for the people that are in your life. Be thankful for that difficult leader that you have. There's probably good things. If you nitpick on that bad leader, yes, all you'll see is their flaws, but there's probably good things. And in addition, even the flaws are a benefit to you because it's training you on how not to lead. But they are not the sum of their flaws. No human is. So have a, have a life of thankfulness towards those relationships. And as we're committed, 200 reasons over this next three weeks, 10 reasons a day, we're going to go over all of our relationships. We're going to treat our lives, the relationships in our lives with gratitude. We're going to treat them. Why? Because God tells us to. We're commanded to. It's not optional because he wants joy. He wants health. He wants contentment. He wants you to see how many ways, thousands and thousands and thousands of ways he's blessing you. But we can like spoiled children pick at the few things we don't like and we can miss the gifts we've been given and he doesn't want us to live lives like that. He wants us to live healthy, thriving, fruitful lives. And so we're gonna start with thankfulness. Hallelujah. But for some of you, the first step, according to what the Bible says, what the scripture says, is today you need to make peace with God. All of us start as enemies. Enemies with God. That's where we start. We're enemies of God. We're on the wrong side. But he's reached out to make peace. And it's not an olive branch. It's the branch from the stump of Jesse, it's the Messiah that was broken on the cross, bleeding for you. He offers his son and he says, accept the work of Jesus to pay for your sins and to reconcile you to almighty God. Make peace with God today. I wanna lead you in a prayer. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? In just a moment, I want to pray over, over us as a church as we begin this initiative, but I also want some of you to consider, is today the day you need to make peace with God? It's not automatic. You have to receive Jesus Christ to find peace. Maybe today's the day you take that step. Lord, I pray over our church. Lord, we want to have thriving marriages. We want to have thriving relationships with our children. Lord, we want to have thriving lives. We want to have fruitful lives. We want to have lives of compassion and generosity and patience and love and forgiveness. We want all of those things. But Lord, would you just fill us with the thriving joy that comes with thankfulness. So Lord, would you do that work over these next few weeks? Holy Spirit, would you do the work of making us into thankful people? Would you do that work? And I pray that you would give us that, 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 that inspiration throughout the week. Speak to us in those moments, Lord. Would you make us a thankful people? And for those who need to put their faith in Jesus and find, make peace with God, 
would you give them that faith right now? If that's you, I'm going to pray a quiet prayer right here. You can just stay in your, there in your seat. And if you want to make peace with God, you can just simply, silently pray this prayer once and for all. Make this your moment. Just simply say this. Silently say, Jesus, thank you for making peace for me. Your sacrifice reconciled me to Almighty God. I'm going to follow after you. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was your prayer just then, I want to invite you, if you put your faith in Jesus, I want to invite you to go to cityreb.org faith. You can do that if you're watching online by just grabbing your cell phone. If you're here, you can grab your cell phone, go to cityreb.org faith. Um, because we're going to mail you a Bible. We want to mail you a Bible. You can go to the um, guest services in the front lobby. We'll put a Bible in your hands today. If you want to walk out of here with, a, with your own Bible, just go to guest services and say, hey, today, can I have a Bible? I put my faith in Jesus, and they'll be happy to give you a Bible. And church, we're going to end um, our time. We're going to have some leaders up front here um, ready to receive you for prayer. And if there's anything that you need prayer for, maybe today, you want prayer for one of those relationships. Maybe today you put your faith in Jesus and you want prayer. Or maybe there's something else. Maybe it's for thankfulness or maybe it's for something else and you're like, I, I want prayer. God brought you to a body. Let your body minister to you while the rest of us are singing. You're welcome to come forward. Um, but for the rest of us, we're gonna sing and we're gonna sing a song that's about, it all starts with the fact that Jesus made peace with us, with God. And because of that, Jesus rules over our, our lives. He is our first love. He's the first most important part of our lives. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.